0: Good morning everybody. Good morning. Great to see you guys. Hey this is a uh, little different setup if you're just joining us uh, for this series. This is called Asking for a Friend. Over the last few weeks we've been collecting some questions that you have submitted and then we've been working our way through some of the questions. There's no way to get to all of the questions because we got a lot which is wonderful. It gives us a little insight into how you're thinking and some of the things that you might be uh, struggling with or uh, wanting more you know uh, speaking on etc so uh, it's been really good and so anyway we started this last week Preston and I were here and tried to do some of the a little bit more of the heavier questions uh, we dealt with like the Old Testament versus the New Testament uh, we dealt with um, um, women in ministry 1st Timothy 2:12. kind of is that a current uh, you know uh, uh, issue or was that just you know at that time and we went through that and parenting issues went through that so it was really good a little heavier last week though today really excited because the questions we have that that Josh and I are going to work our way through today very practical I think everybody here will relate to at least something that we get into today so it's it's been really fun first service was great really got into some good stuff and I'm looking forward to getting into that some of that again uh, today Uh, if you are newer to Forest Park you don't know this is Josh Josephson give Josh a big hand please all right thanks yeah. Thank you. Some of you are like, why? Why are we applauding for this guy? I don't even know him. Uh, Josh works behind the scenes. He's our pastor communication, so you don't see him a lot. If you watch the 15 before, you'll see him there, but he's making sure everything's happening behind the scenes. He's the guy that makes sure we have online. Uh, our services online, so you can watch it if you're not here and you want to catch up or you're sick or vacation or, or whatever, or you just want to sleep in. Uh, you know, he's the guy that makes sure that we have it live and also recorded and, and archived for you. He's the one who makes sure that, you know, the cameras are functioning and, and the website and all the stuff that, you know, is kind of working behind the scenes. He doesn't get a lot of stage time. But we wanted to bring Josh up because uh, Josh has a lot of great insight. Uh, He's dealt with some of the issues that we're going to be talking about today, so it's going to be more practical, not just from uh, my perspective, but from his as well. Uh, next week, Carla Beth is going to join me as we work our way through some other questions. And then the final week, Kaylee Bynum is going to be here. And Kaylee's a therapist, and we're going to be talking through some mental health issues, some questions about anxiety, depression, and those kind of things and how, they, and how we can work our way through that in our lives. So really good questions coming up. I don't think you're going to want to miss the next uh, couple of weeks. So anyway, glad you are here today.
1: Yeah. You ready? We got great questions. Good. I mean, the first one was about movies movie snacks oh and we got to get into movie uh, before we're talking about movie snacks in the 15 before the little what were you talking about what do you mean what 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 your favorite movie snack is okay so yes what's yours popcorn okay
0: (laughs) he said that in the first service (laughs) I was hoping he would give me a different snack no if I go to the movies I want popcorn I want good popcorn too Mike and Ike's for me yeah what Mike and Ike's that's weird that's just weird Who wants to? We're that? on a great, a great start. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right, so we got uh, three questions today that we're going we're gonna to get into, and uh, we may move into a fourth one if we have time, but yeah. we didn't the first service because we just got so much we want to talk about. All right, Let, let's go to question number one because we want to give all the time we possibly can. Here, here it is. How do you know God is speaking to you versus it being your own thoughts and your own desires? And I think this is a great question. I'm going to, I'm going to preface it a little differently than mm-hmm. we did in the yep. first service. Here, here's the reason why I think this question is really good. All right, it's good because a lot of people throughout history have done a lot of awful things in the name of God, and they will use God's voice as a justification to doing what they did. Mm-hmm. In fact, there are there's possible people sitting here and people watching online. They have been Physically, and/or sexually, emotionally, spiritually abused in the name of God. Yeah, I've heard horror stories that people have used God's name, God's voice, uh, as a way of manipulating someone, getting them to do things they didn't necessarily want to do. Mm. But they use it as, "Well, God wants this. God has spoken to me. God has said." Uh, etc a lot of end time predictions apocalyptic in nature you know god is speaking and this is going to happen in 2023 this is going to happen you know next year etc in fact i was last week i was reading about a young man who um, believed god was speaking to him and was convinced that god told him his girlfriend was cheating on him Mm -hmm. so he broke up with her broke her heart you know destroyed the whole relationship come to find out that wasn't true. She wasn't. Mm-hmm. And then he actually went in, you know, was talking to a, a, a counselor and the counselor was saying, you know, has this happened before? We'll come to find out it happened in another relationship. He felt God was speaking to him. Mm-hmm. So he broke up with his other girlfriend for the same reason. So he, he's very confused about God's voice. So here's these two girls, their hearts have been broken, uh, relationship shattered, all because of what they were told was God's voice. Mm. and throughout you know the years of being a pastor I've had people come in my office or I've talked with people at a coffee shop or whatever or even through email and they've told me some pretty bizarre things all again in the name of of God Mm. so I think people are struggling because you know is this God's voice is it my voice uh how do we know the difference is you know does God speak today know etc so let's just kind of open it we're not going to settle it all today but let's open it up and kind of get back into a little bit of that discussion
1: yeah I, I think it's interesting that you frame it that way because um what i hear from that is, is a lot of the time we're listening to people's opinions and people's thoughts about what god is saying yeah, what god is saying lot. that we need to do especially
0: someone like in some kind of spiritual authority in that person's right. life You know, they just assume, well, God must be speaking to them and I don't want to miss God's voice, so I'm going to do what this pastor says or Mm -hmm. my parents say. In fact, you talked to me a little bit about some of your childhood issues. That's a little bit about what I
1: was talking about because, you know, growing up, I grew up in a youth group. We had about just like six kids in our youth group. It was was a much smaller church. And, uh, you know, I was the kid who, when we had a youth service, I was the one that preached a message. You know, I was the one who, when we went to camp, had a testimony and I was always first to do the testimony to tell everybody about my testimony and um, I would be I'm a two on the Enneagram so I like to help people and so if I was doing something I was up there washing dishes staying after you know staying and, and doing things for the camp or for church and a lot of the time what I struggled with was understanding why I was doing the things that I was doing was I doing it for validation from these people who are in the church and they they say that you should you should be the preacher or um, you should you know whatever they that's what they thought I should do, or was I doing it because I actually cared about it or I actually cared about you know building the church or actually cared about making an impact on someone's life with my testimony and I I just struggled with the self dialogue of is this God is God. Does God want me to do this? So felt
0: like is God speaking through these people yeah. to let me know that I need to go into ministry or,
1: yeah. or whatever. And yeah. and and a lot of it was, am I being prideful? Am I am I doing this so that people see that I'm a really good Christian? So they see that I'm I'm doing what God wants me to do. Yeah. Right? And you know, for me there were a couple takeaways. The first one from that whole experience uh was when i was in high school i talked to another scott he's a pastor um on long island and i was just telling him about about this internal dialogue i had this struggle of like is this god is this is this just me being prideful and he said josh you know where you are right now the fact that you are asking these questions uh, means that you're in the right place it it means that you are you're asking questions yeah you care I, i i best relate it now that i'm a parent uh, to the, the questions I have about raising Elliot, you know, do, am I am I potty training the right way? Did, should I do the sleep training in this method or this method? And I'm asking all these questions, and and because I'm asking those questions, I really care, I, and and that's the biggest signal for me is like if I am, if I really care, I'll ask questions about about good things you know Uh and so when someone's prideful or when a parent doesn't really care about being involved in their life they don't ask those questions of themselves Uh you know they're not they're not thinking about is is this is this the right way to discipline you know because they just don't care so they're not they're not asking those questions and so as far as faith goes and and uh, the self awareness about my journey with god i had to had to break free from that and say I'm in the right place. I do care about what God wants in my life. You know, I do care about listening to what he has. So you, so you
0: were making it much more complicated than it needed
1: to be. Yeah, and I think that it's it, it's just a matter of of trusting, trusting your instincts and trusting yourself. And that's a little bit of what we talked about in the first service and, and understanding how to develop that, right? right. And right. I, I, think, I think you had some great thoughts about how to develop your instincts, mm-hmm. how to develop your own self-identity and self-awareness. Um, and how that intertwines with your relationship with God.
0: Yeah, I, I, when I grew up in a particular culture, and you may have grown up in the same kind of culture that, I, that I'm getting ready to explain, or this may sound so foreign to you, but I grew up within a, a religious culture that taught me that God had a particular plan for my life. There was like one, it was almost like a target, bullseye in the middle, and it was my responsibility to figure out what that perfect plan, perfect will is, Uh, for my life so I had to really spend lots of time in prayer I had to study scripture I had to uh, uh, be willing to do whatever it is that God wanted me to do etc okay well what that did for me the way I'm wired in my personality is it created a tremendous amount of stress because I was always worried that I was not going to hit the right I was not going to hit the bullseye I was not going to go the right path. And if I made a decision here that wasn't correct, then the rest of my life, it was going to be a domino effect. You know, this was going to go wrong, this was going to go wrong, that was going to go wrong. So I had a very narrow understanding of God's will. It was very small, and I had to get right in the middle of it to be in God's what people would refer to as his perfect will, and I had to figure that out. Well, as, if you were with us a few weeks ago, I talked about how, you know, on an average day, you literally make thousands of decisions a day. You don't even, most of them are is subconscious, or they're subconscious, but we still make thousands of decisions a day, and you make several life-altering decisions throughout your life. And I was so concerned that I would end up with the wrong girlfriend or I would end up at the wrong college or I would take the wrong job and even when I got into ministry I would go to the wrong church and then it would create a domino effect in my life Mm. which just fed into my natural anxiety that I already had and it actually fed into depression and
1: guilt and guilt
0: because I was always afraid I was making the wrong decision And if I said yes and I walked through one door if it didn't work out the way that I thought it was going to work out then I was like well maybe that wasn't God's will Mm. I should have gone the other way I mean it was just it was crazy. So the, I've said this before. And I don't say this in any kind of uh, trying to be funny or, or facetious. The wrong kind of teaching, okay, the wrong kind of preaching, the wrong way of looking at Scripture contributes to mental illness. It, it, it makes people crazy, okay? And I'm, not, yeah. I'm not kidding. Um, and I that's a whole message that, that we could get into. I don't have time for that. But... It, it really fed into a lot of childhood issues I already had. Yeah. So I've learned over time in following God that God's will is much bigger than, than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. He gives me a lot of room to work within his overall will. And the way I like to look at it is there are certain things that are like guardrails. Mm-hmm. And when you have guardrails on a road, you've got room to move within a certain you know, a space certain guardrails are going to be there to keep you in line. But overall, you've got a lot of room. You can drive, you can go a different speed, you can slow down, you can speed up, you can turn, you can go this way or that way. But there are certain guardrails, and some of those guardrails obviously love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, honesty, integrity, loving people, serving people, uh, good works. You know, we're told, for instance, go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. Well, that's a huge open invitation to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations i mean my goodness there's there's countries everywhere there's people all around our our neighborhood and communities there's churches everywhere Uh, you know there's just lots more room in god's will than i thought so i now see it as more of a large place and within that i can journey and i can go i don't have to ask god every single day or every single week what do i do here what do i do there should i do this should i do that and wait and try to discern through emotion most of the time what i think his will is well hearing his voice would depend on the week. If I was depressed that week, or I was excited that week, or if things went well in my life, or it didn't go well in my life. So, my entire life was just riding on emotions and trying to discern God's will through most of the time my emotions, where my emotions were in a lot of ways wounded. They were broken. So, I was literally trying to discern God's voice through broken emotions. It just gets very confusing. So, you know, I've kind of backed way away from that kind of looking at His will and seeing His will as being much more broad much more general. And I have a lot of room. He is a loving father, a loving shepherd. And the field, you know, if you take that analogy and shepherd and push it on, the sheep can go in a lot of places and eat. And as you move into a certain area, you shouldn't, or maybe it's poisonous grass, the shepherd's responsibility is to help the sheep get back to where it needs to go. Mm. So I I have much more of of an idea like this. You know, here's what I think Here's what I want to do. Here, here's what I desire to do. I think my desires are in line with what God wants me to do. I'm going for it, and I literally pray at times. And God, if you don't want me to do it, then you, you're going to need to stop me yeah. because I'm on my way to to do this. All right. So anyway, that that's some thoughts on the bigness of God's will as opposed to that small uh, will that you got to hit right in the middle.
1: Yeah, and practically, I think that you know, those, I've I've struggled with a lot of those decisions yeah. up in my life. I you know the Going to college, obviously. Picking picking a college. Do I go do I go to community college? Do I go away? Do I put myself into student debt? Do I, you know, and and it's hard to wrap your brain around it because now I look back to and I'm like, okay, I chose to come to Elizabeth City, North Carolina, private college, MacU. I, I I chose to come here. I met Ashlyn, my wife, and now we have a house, we have a baby. Literally, if I didn't make that choice. I wouldn't be here right now yeah. so it feels like there's a lot of pressure in making these practical decisions that um, can affect your life and and even small decisions too right mm. do we do we go on a family trip do we um, do I do even everyday decisions mm. and I think that it can be a struggle to know how to how to discern what God would like. I think one of the things we talked about was uh, listening to people who you really trust absolutely. who are really who are who have proven to be wise yep. who have some experience in their and under their belt to Amen. say maybe that's not best for you and to accept that God can speak through those people sometimes absolutely um and and like like you said at the start there there can be destructive people in your life uh that can throw you off course and you have to discern and, and, and learn to trust people who have that experience and have yep. that wisdom. Yeah. Um. And listen to them and go to them with things that you're you're confused about and, and know that it's not just about reading a scripture and praying and hoping that God will somehow magically say it, but rather listening to somebody who
0: you can you can really trust. Yeah. Yeah. Two two big thoughts on this, and then we'll, we'll move on to the next question. I, I highly encourage you to. Spend time. This is what I've I've learned. If you if you are a person, let me put I'll back up a little bit. If you're a person who spends time in in Scripture, reading it, and I don't mean just reading a verse here and there, but I mean actually trying to study it out, figure out what it means, meditate on some some verses of Scripture, approach it in a very prayerful way. God, I'm going to be reading, you know, this these few verses today. Speak to me. You're having an open heart, open mind. You read Scripture. You are a person who prays, you are a person connected to the body of Christ. So you're getting wisdom from other people. You're running ideas through other people. You have an open heart and open mind. What I've learned is that you'll be amazed at how much you will build up like almost like a spiritual intuition. Mm-hmm. And you will naturally begin to do things that are in accordance with God's will because you're walking in the Spirit, and as you walk in the Spirit, you walk in the direction of what God wants you in your life overall to do. So you build up an intuition. You'll just make decisions, and then you'll look back on that decision, and you'll say, wow, that must have been God's will. You won't stop and go, is this what God wants me to do, and wait for weeks and weeks at a time, and try to figure out through your emotions and all this kind of stuff, is this God's will? What you'll do is you'll just begin to develop a desire to do certain things, doors will open for you, you'll walk through them, and then you'll look back and go, wow, that must have been a door God opened, and I walk through it. It just becomes natural for you. So literally falling and following the will of God, falling into, following the will of God just becomes natural intuition because it's part of you. It's almost, one one of the thoughts I wrote down is that the longer you follow Jesus, the more you study and understand scripture, the more connected you are to the body of Christ, and the more like Jesus you become, the more your voice and his voice voice will blend together you're in him he's in you in him we live and move and have our being it's what scripture says it's one as i am in the father and i am in you all of that together mm-hmm. so you'll just be amazed at how thoughts will come to you desires will come to you passions will come to you and they'll automatically be in line with what god wants you to do
1: and i'll say real quick on that too it maybe it maybe you're at the start of that
0: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: yeah sure. and it may feel like not as comfortable, yeah. but that's okay. Yeah, sure, you know, try. Just try, just try yeah. to embrace listening to people yeah. and, and, and really studying and understanding what God might have for your life and what, yeah. what, what, what um, God is envisioning for yeah. your life. Yeah.
0: And I wrote down a few uh, filters that you can use you know, that will help you discern God's voice. Um, if God is speaking to you, then keep a few things in mind okay? One, what he says will encourage. Not discourage, not tear you down, but encourage and edify you,
1: So okay? if it doesn't encourage...
0: If it doesn't encourage, it just, it, it, it's destructive in nature, yeah. it's condemning, it's, it's, it's demotivating, you know, it doesn't... No, not I would right. say, okay, this is coming from my own emotions and my yeah. own wounds and fears and all these things or it's coming from uh, misunderstanding of who god is he's presented as a, a loving father he's presented as a good shepherd okay the, the holy spirit is referred to as a comforter yeah all right so you're you're, you're looking at god's voice will encourage you right. okay two what he says will be wrapped in love god is love faith hope and love and the greatest of these is love all right. So God is going to be wrapped, his voice will be wrapped in love. What he says will bring no harm, very much like the, the first one. Yeah. What he says, and this is, this is to me very important, what he says will never force or manipulate anyone with threat of punishment or pain. If you don't do this, this will happen to you. If you don't do this, you don't want to do it. It's not something that you even feel compelled to do or inspired to do. But now you're standing under this threat that if you don't do it, bad things will come to you. Punishment will come to you. Pain will come to you. Suffering will come to you. So now he's supposedly, his voice is manipulating you Mm -hmm. into doing something. I would take that and throw it over here. Okay. Uh, Also, what he says will inspire good works. So this will lead to you doing good works for people, for yourself, for others, for building, for edifying other people. And then what he says will never violate truth or the principles of scripture. Yeah. So if, if you feel like God is prompting, speaking to you, and you're trying to discern and learn through that, I would say, is this an encouraging word? Is this a word that is, that is wrapped and presented to me in love? Is this bringing harm to me or anybody else? is this forcing me or manipulating me or threatening that I will, that something horrible will happen to me if I don't do it? Is this providing or inspiring good works? And also is this in line with what I truly understand in scripture and the principles of scripture? And if those things line up, I'd say, Hey, I think this is probably what God is inspiring and and speaking. And
1: over time you get it. You will get better and better
0: and better. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. Hmm. Yeah. There's a lot more there we could say, but, um, we're gonna move to the second question, all right? Um, Second one, huge, and I know we can all relate to this, is how do you forgive what you can't forget? I wanna start this again, okay? Because there's one thing I didn't get a chance to say earlier. Forgiveness is difficult. I just wanna say that straight up, all right? It is difficult. What we're getting ready to say is gonna make it sound as if, oh, you you know, everybody can work through the process of forgiveness. And that's technically true, but it is difficult. In mere Christianity, uh, C.S. Lewis, he said this, and this is a quote I wrote it down. He said, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. And then to mention the subject at all is to be greeted with howls of anger. So it's easy to talk about forgiveness until someone does something that deeply wounds you, deeply hurts you. And then when you hear somebody talk about forgiveness, mm-hmm. it, it's not so easy. Now, now you're the one that's on the, the other side that has to forgive. It's easy when it's you got to forgive somebody. Yeah. I can give you a great sermon on how you need to forgive.
1: Oh, it's in church. It's I very mean, it's...
0: easy, yeah, in church, right. Sermon after sermon about how you should forgive. But then when I'm the one standing in the, in, in the position of pain, I'm the one that's deeply wounded. Yeah. It's not as easy to talk about forgiveness. So I just want you to say, just know that, that anything we say here does not negate that forgiveness is difficult. It is not an easy thing, all right? So this question... However, I think is, to me, it really takes a, a unique spin in that it talks about forget. Mm-hmm. Okay, the question doesn't say how do you forgive. Right. It says how do you forgive what you can't forget. So obviously, this person or the people who who put who put this uh, together, this question together, is struggling with the concept of forgiveness and forgetting. Either they got someone in their life, or they've got you know memories that are coming up, or flashbacks, or dreams, or whatever. They're, they're, they're trying to forgive, but either they get next to this person or they might live with this person or this person could be a parent mm-hmm. or it could be, you know, someone they see in town or whatever. And the emotions come back. Mm-hmm. They remember what this person did to them. So they're struggling with the concept of forgiving and, and forgetting. Yeah. What, what's your initial thought on I that?
1: I mean, the first thing is that you don't have to forget. I, it's really... I think the biggest thing that holds us up from making the decision to forgive. And we'll, I think we'll talk a little bit more about that. But the first thing is you don't have to forget what's happened to you. Uh, that doesn't
0: mean you hold it over them. Well, not only should you not, you, that you don't have to forget, but in some situations you better not forget. Right, right. Be, because forgiveness, I mean, f- uh, f- uh, memory yep. is a good thing. And, and, and it may cause pain, right? but, you know, having a memory is, is actually a gift.
1: Yes, it, it is. And it, it, I think about, again, the pain aspect of it. You know, when you burn yourself on the stove, when you've done something that's painful, your body's telling you something's wrong. Yeah. It something remembers wrong. and, and, and
0: tells you to be careful next time. Yes, yeah.
1: and, and that is a good thing. It's right. good that your body has that the same thing mentally, the same thing for you to be able to know this really hurt me yeah. and I need to look out for what to do differently. Yeah. And, but you, you, you can't just be hung up on that forgetting. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's part of what I'm, I'm reading into the question. is like, I can't forget, so I'm never going to be able to forget.
0: Right, so they're, they're equating forgiving and forgetting as the same. Because right. they can't forget, they assume they've not forgiven. Yeah. And what I would say, first thing I would say to someone who's struggling with that is that forgiveness and forgetting serve two distinct functions. They're not one and the same. They're two separate things, okay? Which means that you can fully forgive someone and still remember what that person did to you in detail okay, because you remember what the person did doesn't mean you haven't forgiven. Forgiving and forgetting are two separate things. Mm. The second thing I would say on that is that forgiving is a choice. You can't choose to forget, all right? Forgetting is not a choice. If I say to you, you know, uh, gray elephant, and you think gray elephant, and I say, now forget what I just told you. (laughs) You you can't automatically forget something because you choose to. But choosing to forgive, that works. There is a process of choosing to forgive someone. Letting someone go, not holding it over their head, not you know, wanting retaliation, not wanting punishment on that person, letting some things go. That is a choice you make, but you can't choose to forget. And in fact, you, know, you don't want to forget many things because memory, as I said earlier, is a protection. It's a defense. It's a way of learning. Memory is a gift. Alright, so I would say first, there are two distinct functions. Two, you can forgive and still remember the details. And three, that, you know, when you, for, when you forgive someone, okay, the, the memory that you have of that person, I, let me say this, I'm trying to think of the right way to say it. You can forgive, forgiveness and trust are two different things. That's what I'm trying to get to. So the memory may be there to tell you to be careful of this person, okay, that's a good thing. Let me put it in the context of this. If I have someone and I, you if Elliot. He's three, almost three years old. You let someone watch Elliot. They hurt him in their care. Okay? They ask you to forgive them. And you do. But you remember the last time that they kept him, they hurt him. The memory yeah. causes you to protect Elliot. The forgiveness... You chose to forgive, right. but the memory will protect, help you protect, because you can't trust that person, Elliot, with that person anymore. Yeah. So forgiveness and forgetting serve two di- distinction. Yeah. You can have one with, without the other, or etc., or both at the same time. Mm. So I, I think we just need to work our way through all that.
1: Yeah, I definitely struggled a lot, um, and it's one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this question, um, because, you know, there's. There were, has been a lot of tension with me and my parents, yep. and it you know ever since I came to college, it just uh, just a lot of different things that that built tension between us. Um, and part of part of the process of forgiveness is recognizing when you're not actually ready to forgive, and when you've not actually gone through the work to understand how to forgive. Yeah. And I was not there with my parents uh, for a while, and you know they, my parents didn't do anything egregious to me. You know, I, I, I'm not bringing this to say like they were they were abusive or anything like that. And and I, I think that's important to know because it can happen with relationships that are have small things that happen that over time just build up into this like how did we get to this point? You know, like why are we why can't we be together? You know, and. I just wasn't, I wasn't ready to forgive because I just wasn't at that place yet. And I think that, first of all, that's okay. Yeah. You know, that's o- it's okay to be in that place and recognize that. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, so when we say that forgiveness is a choice, we're saying that it, it's part of the process of forgiving is choosing to forgive, that's really? part of the process. But it's not something that you just do one time mm. and you never struggle with it again. Yeah. And it is a long process in certain situations. And for you, it was quite a while before you got to the place yeah. that you could truly say, I've forgiven.
1: And you have to you have to be ready. This is one thing that I had to come to terms with, is I have to be ready to consistently forgive
0: them. Mm-hmm.
1: And I really... So you don't forgive once. Right. You
0: might have to do it again and again and, and I, again. And
1: again. I really wasn't there for a long time. Yep. Like, I just wasn't. I knew what it was going to take to actually forgive and to not bring it up, you know, to not... you know, to not hold it over them. And I knew that I wasn't there yet. And so what I had to do was, was some work. I I mean, I had to uh, talk with a therapist. I had to understand things about myself, things about the way they raised me, the, the, the tension that, that came from moving to college and just life. And, and I had to understand all that. And it, 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 really wasn't until I talked to somebody objectively who could look from the outside and and ask me questions and and really understand that that I could say okay I've I understand where they're coming from I understand where we are I'm ready to move forward Mm -hmm. and you know they're they're my parents I want I want to to try I'm, I'm somebody who just wants to try yeah and so I had to get to that place first yeah. through, some, through some work and through some self-reflection and self-awareness and um, humility. And so um, it's okay if you're not there, yeah. um, but sometimes you, you also have to take steps to get there. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing.
0: Yeah, well, you know, one of the things as a pastor that, you know, I didn't know this many years ago, and it frustrates me, it concerns me, is sometimes in, in churches, a sermon can be given, a message given, about forgiveness and, you know, you need to forgive and it's important that we forgive and Christ tells us to forgive. And there's people in different places when it comes to, to forgiveness. You know, here's, let's just imagine there's a you know lady sitting on the second row and there's another lady or guy sitting across the church and, you know, he didn't return her Tupperware container, you know, at a church dinner they had. And she needs to forgive him. Yeah. All right? two rows back there's a young girl who was molested by her father who happened to be a pastor when she was a little girl and she needs to learn how to forgive yeah. that's two different issues two yeah. hugely different wounds one person was, is offended is hurt over the Tupperware container not returned yeah. they're financially out you know $10 uh, the other person is wounded at the depths of their soul yeah physically sexually emotionally and spiritually because of the spiritual role this person had this person is in a different is a different journey toward forgiveness than the other person who lost the tupperware container now being a little facetious and drawing extreme you know uh examples here and comparing them but we give the impression sometimes everybody just needs to forgive you know we're like you know lift your hands and if there's anybody you need to forgive, you know, forgive them. And I think sometimes we, the person who walks into the church wounded, because of the dad or the person who molested them or hurt them, uh, they they walk into the church wounded, and now they walk out, and on top of the wound they've got guilt
1: yeah.
0: that they haven't forgiven now, because the the message that the preacher, whoever it is, made it sound as if it was just a matter of a choice. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things that have to be healed in that. Okay, so the last thing I'm going to say on this, then we're going to move to the third question, and that's it for today. And th- this is a big, a big one, okay? I'm going to open this up, and then you have to kind of have to work, it way, work it through. Forgiving a person who wounded you, who violated you, who deeply betrayed you, does not automatically restore you. Okay? What, what I mean by that is there's healing on the other side. Of forgiveness you can forgive someone and remain in deep trauma you can fully forgive your perpetrator and continue to be wounded so forgiveness and healing are separate yeah. so forgiveness and forgetfulness yeah. are, are separated forgiveness and trust are separated forgiveness and healing Are separated the best illustration I know to give to to help you see that in in practical life is let's imagine you're you're driving a car here in Elizabeth City small town know a lot of people and someone you happen to know runs a stop sign and hits you and damages your car breaks your arm breaks your leg it's just terrible okay and the person you know gets out of their car they come over to you and they immediately start apologizing I'm so sorry, I was, I was on my phone, and I didn't, I didn't see the stop sign, I ran the stop sign. And you, know, you go to the hospital and you get a cast and you're in pain and pain medication and all this stuff. And the person sees you in the hospital and begs your forgiveness and you forgive them. And you realize that you've made mistakes in the past. Maybe you had an accident in your younger years, maybe you hit somebody else, and out of compassion and out of love, you forgive that person for running the stop sign and hitting you. When you forgive them, that does not cover your hospital bills. When you forgive them, that does not fix your arm. When you forgive them, that does not take away all the pain. When you forgive them, that doesn't fix your leg. In, in the act of you know, crashing into you, they handed you a lot of pain. They handed you a lot of trauma. They handed you a lot of hurt. So you can forgive them and you still gotta go through therapy. You can forgive them and you still gotta pay hospital bills. You can forgive them and you still got pain medication. You can forgive them and you still gotta go and and, and work your way back to walking correctly. So I think we've gotta separate forgiveness and healing. So some people might you know, walk into a church and they've got some deep wounds and they truly do forgive. To the best of their ability, they forgive. But because they still remember the accident, they assume they haven't forgiven. Because they don't trust a person, they mm-hmm. assume they haven't forgiven. And because they're still in pain, they assume they haven't forgiven. Mm-hmm. So they're wrapping trust and memory and pain and forgiveness all into one. Mm-hmm. And what I would do is separate those and say you can forgive and still have to work your way through the pain. You can forgive and still not trust the person. You can forgive and still remember what that person has done for you. Very, very important that we see the distinctions in those and not assume they're all one because then you walk out feeling guilty that you truly haven't forgiven. Forgiveness is a process and that's why I started out by saying it's not easy. It's a complicated thing. Yeah. Complicated. All right, last question. We're just gonna be able to touch on this and, and, uh, and let you go. Great question too. is how do you continue your faith and relationship with Jesus when the people around you don't agree or they aren't interested so I assume this might be someone who either their family you know is kind of not uh followers of Jesus or maybe they work or both all their family and all their friends and it's hard for them to maintain their faith when everybody around them so Quickly give a few thoughts. I'll give a few thoughts and then we'll wrap this up.
1: I wrote a few, you know, the, the first one is, of course you can't change or force someone's views. Yeah. And uh, it sounds really simple and probably we've said that a lot, you know, and you hear that a lot, but it's, it really is true that you can't force someone to believe what you believe. You can't force them, someone to come to church. You yeah. can't force them to do anything. That's part of the beauty of free will. And the, the gift of free will that God has given yeah. us. Um, and that's okay. So, so you can't change somebody's views or force them to do anything. And, uh, you know, the other thing I wrote down was about an old hymn that uh, I heard when we were growing up. It's called, They Will Know We Are Christians By Our Love. You know, I'm not gonna sing that one now because you don't want me singing right now. But, no, we don't. Um, it, it, I remember that. You know, of course, you know the title because it, it makes sense. They'll they'll know that we are Christians by the way that we love people, by the way that we serve and passionately give grace to people. And I think to me that is the biggest thing that you can do to show to show your faith and yeah. to to th- it's the best persuasion of faith is is truly living it out and and showing radical love to people. Um, And the other thing, I I believe it's loving to have open conversation, to have a genuine interest in hearing where someone comes from, and to have a flexible faith, to be able to say, I don't know all of this for sure. I, I don't how can i know for sure that's what faith is right yeah. so to have that perspective when you go into conversations with people to humility yeah, yeah humility and to say i'm i'm okay with listening to you and and being wrong about some things i know that's like it, in a, in a lot of churches that's like you don't say that because right. you have we're, we're right they're wrong right but but then all you do is push them away all yeah. you do are, is saying like if, if you guys wanna to, want to be right, come on over. But other than that, you're wrong. Yeah. It's like, how is that ever going to show someone compassion? Yeah. You know, and um, I just think it's about being flexible yeah. in what you believe and um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's hard, especially in today, you know, with our culture and, and it's kind of seeing the movement of, of people going away from church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I saw a little bit of a higher view of this question, just talking about the general sentiment of church, and and people being hurt by the church, people being abused and manipulated, like we talked about. You know, we sh- we shouldn't shy away from that as the church. Yeah. We should call out when people have been abused and mm-hmm. manipulated and and taken advantage of, yeah. and we should we should do our best to love and serve in the way that Jesus Jesus intended. Yeah. Good. Um, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, I agree with everything he just said. I just add a few thoughts and then we'll, we'll close this yeah. up because I know we've given you a lot to think through. I, I, I would say, you know, to a person who says, you know, how, how do I continue my faith when other people around me don't have it? I would say, well, what does your faith have to do with other people's lack of faith? Okay. For instance, you know, let's put it in a different context. And sometimes if you put it in a different context, it helps you to, to see it. Mm-hmm. Imagine someone coming to you and saying, well, how, how do I vote conservative? When everyone around me is liberal. And you would say, Well, hopefully you vote the way you feel like you need to vote. Or, you know, how how do I vote as a Democrat when everybody around me is Republican? Well, hopefully you vote based on what you believe is right, what you believe is, is true. Or someone says, Well, how can I remain pro-life when everybody around me is pro-choice? Or vice versa. Okay? Hopefully your faith like these other views, are based on what you believe is right and you believe is true and you believe is wholesome, not on what the other people around you espouse or they hold to, okay? So don't allow your faith to go up and down based on whether or not the people around you agree with you, all right? The last thought on that is, and this is just a a suggestion and encouragement to you, if all the people around you disagree with you, then you might wanna consider adding some additional people inside your inner circle, okay? In other words, if all your friends and all the people you hang out with and all the people you socialize with, all of them, they don't have a faith, none of them encourage you in your faith, none of them attend church with you, none of I'm not saying you walk away from all those people, I'm not saying you defriend them, I'm saying you might wanna consider adding yep. into your circle some people who do follow Christ, Some people who will encourage you. Some people who will pray with you. Some people who will be there for you. Okay, Add in, not necessarily subtract, because I think we need to love and and be friends with people, whether they see your way or or not. Love them even if they completely disagree with you. Still love, but add in some other folks into your inner circle. I
1: was going to say vice versa. You know, if true. all of your people oh, agree true. with you, that's great. Yeah. You, you you really need to add some people who disagree. Yeah, that's true. With you if around everybody
0: them. around you agrees with you and everybody around you, hey, you might want to consider adding into your inner circle some people who might see things differently. Yeah. That can stretch your mind and your heart a little bit. Yeah. It's yeah. good. All right, guys, that that's some stuff for you to think through today. Uh, we've got some great questions coming up over the next couple of weeks. A very unique series but we just wanted to press pause on some of the teaching and lecturing that i often do and just listen to some of the questions that you have and these are actual questions that people have submitted we're going to take a few more next week a few more the following week and especially in mental health and uh, some of the personal issues we're going to get back into forgiveness with kaylee on that week we're going to talk through working our way through forgiveness from her perspective as well. So a lot of good stuff coming up. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this uh, wonderful day that we have of coming together. Thank you for these questions that your people have submitted. Thank you for these thoughts that we've been able to give and some encouragement, some teaching. I pray you, you take this information and you just cause inspiration, you cause people to just think through them in a, in a, in a more deep uh, way, that they will uh, read more, uh, they will pray more, They will spend time together more, allow their minds to expand, their hearts to expand. Uh, Let them just listen to your voice even more clearly as a result of some things that we've said. Uh, Look at their friends differently because of some things that we've said. Father, I pray that you help us work our way through forgiveness and understand what that means because of some things we've said. Just take everything that we've done today and multiply it and use it for great things. Thank you for your love, your grace and mercy that just, comes to us every day and is new every morning because we need it every morning. Thank you for your love. Thank you for who you are in Jesus' name, amen. Have an incredible, incredible, incredible day. Thank you, Forrest Barton.